Part three, chapter two of Our Own Set by Osip Shubin, translated by Clara Bell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Part three, chapter two. The Branca Leone Palace on the slope of the Quirinal is one of the finest in Rome and particularly famous for its gardens laid out in terraces down the side of the hill with the lower rooms of the palazzo opening on to the uppermost level the dancing was in a large almost square room adjoining a long vaulted corridor full of old pictures relieved here and there by the cold severity of an antique marble statue it was lighted by marvellous chandeliers of venetian glass that hung from the ceiling at the end of the corridor two steps led down into an ante-room dividing it from a smaller sanctuary where the gems of the brancaleone collections were displayed mixed up unfortunately with several modern monstrosities and from this room a door opened into the garden zinka arrived late a transient and feverish expectancy lent her pinched features the brilliancy they had lost while her timid reserve gave her even more charm than her former innocent self-confidence and her dress was certainly wonderfully becoming nor had she lost all her old popularity for she was soon surrounded by a little crowd of roman swells one or two even of the jatinska's admirers deserted for zinka Train was not present the cold his little girl had caught at st peter's had developed into a serious illness and he could not leave her zinka with her gliding grace her small head held a little high and her softened glance was still pretty to watch as she danced and attracted general attention the music the splendour of the entertainment the consciousness of looking well put her into unwonted spirits she sent a searching glance around the room no he was not there sterzl stood talking with the general delighted with her little triumph and charming appearance then he was congratulated by several men of distinction on his recent promotion he thanked them with characteristic simplicity and sincerity the evening was a success for him too not long after midnight he left to attend to pressing business matters were in a very unsettled state and went to the embassy within a short time sempali came in he had spent the previous night as was very generally known at cards this was a new form of dissipation for him he had lost a great deal of money and he looked worn and out of spirits he did not care for dancing and came so late to ask his handsome cousins for the cotillon that they were both engaged a result to which he was so manifestly indifferent that nini actually wiped away a secret tear he was now standing with his fingers in his waistcoat pockets and his glass in his eye exchanging impertinent comments with a number of other young men on the figure of this woman or that girl and trying to imagine himself in the position of the fabulous savage who found himself for the first time in a civilized ballroom suddenly he was silent something had arrested his attention 
the band was playing a waltz at that time very popular stringi me by tosti the room was very hot it was the moment when the curls of the young ladies begin to straighten and their movements at first a little prim begin to gain in freedom when there is an electrical tension in the air suggestive of possible storms and the most indifferent looker-on is aware of an obscure excitement crespigny and zinka spun past him zinka pale and cool in the midst of the emotional stir around her she was not living in the present she was in a dream suddenly crespigny who was not a good dancer stumbled against another couple caught his foot in a lady's train and fell with his partner sempaly pushed his way through the dancers with blind force and was the first to help zinka to her feet without thinking for a moment of the hundred eyes that were fixed upon him he leaned over the young girl her power over him had risen from the dead she bewildered by her fall did not perhaps at first see who it was that had helped her to rise she clung to his arm with half-shut eyes then as he whispered a few sympathizing words she looked up started coloured and shrank from him a very unpleasant accident said some of the ladies sempaly had taken possession of zinka's slender hand and drew it with gentle insistence through his arm then he led her out of the heated ballroom into the adjoining gallery the accident for which she had besieged heaven with prayers had happened the accident which threw him once more in her way his old passion was awake again she saw it she could read it in his eyes she summoned up all her self-command to conceal her happiness not so much out of deliberate calculation as from genuine timidity and womanly pride he talked saying all sorts of eager sympathetic things she asked only the coldest and simplest questions he had fetched her a wrap and with the white shawl thrown around her he led her from one room to another among the fan palms and creamy yellow statues now and then she spoke to some acquaintance whom they met wandering like themselves but these were fewer and fewer the supper-room was thrown open and every one was gone to the buffet zinka's coldness for which he was not at all prepared provoked sempaly greatly he felt with sudden conviction that there could be no joy on earth to compare with that of once holding her in his arms and kissing her devouring her with kisses this image took entire possession of him and beyond the possible fulfilment of that dream he did not look that joy must be his at any cost if the whole world were to crumble at his feet zinka he said in a low tone zinka lent is over easter is come yes what do you mean she said coldly almost sternly i mean he said and he looked her straight in the face that i have fasted and that now i will feast and be happy they were in a small room a sort of raised recess divided from the ballroom by a row of pillars they were alone a joy so acute as to be almost pain came over zinka 
it blinded and stunned her she did not speak she did not smile she did not even look up at him she could not have stirred even if she had wished it she was paralyzed he thought she would not hear him zinka he urged can you not forgive me for having jingled the fool's cap for six weeks till i could not hear the music of the spheres can you not forgive me for the sake of the misery i have endured i can bear it no longer i confess and yield unconditionally i cannot live without you zinka was not strong enough to bear such emotion the terrible tension to which for the last quarter of an hour her pride had compelled her gave way she tottered put out her hands and was falling he put his arm around her and with the other hand pushed open a glass door that led into the garden come out the air will do you good he said scarcely audibly and they went out on to the deserted terrace his arm clasped her more closely and drew her to him involuntarily he waited till she could make some effort to free herself from his hold but she was quite passive she only raised a tear-bedewed face with a blissful gaze into his eyes and whispered i ought not to forgive you so easily and then with no more distrust or fear than a child clinging to its mother she let her head fall on his shoulder and sobbed for happiness a strange reverence came over him the sound of some church bell came up from the city he kissed her with solemn tenderness on the forehead and only said my darling my sacred treasure she was safe when the general came out of the card-room to look once more at the dances before he withdrew the cotillon with its fanciful figures and lavish distribution of ribbons and flowers was nearly over what a cruel idea he heard in a lamentable voice from one of the row of chaperons to give a ball in such a heat as this it was the baroness who was searching all around the room with her eyeglass and a very sour and pocket expression of face siegburg who as the general knew was to have danced the cotillon with zinka was sitting out when von klinger asked him the reason he answered very calmly that he believed zinka had felt tired and had gone home but the way in which he said it roused the old man's suspicions that he put forward this hypothesis to prevent any further search being made for zinka he had seen her last in the corridor with sempali and he hurried off to find her he sought in vain in all the nooks hidden by the plants in vain in the recesses behind the pillars but the door to the garden was open this filled him with apprehension he went out sure that he must be following them the air was oppressively sultry and damp it crushed him with a sense of hopeless anxiety this girocco had cast its baleful spell over rome northerners who have never been in rome have no idea of the nature of the scirocco they suppose it to be a storm of hot wind 
no it is when the air is still and damp when it distils but does not waft a heavy perfume that the scirocco diffuses its poison a subtle influence compounded of the scent of flowers that it forces into life only to destroy them of the mists from the tiber whose yellow flood like mud mixed with gold which rolls over the corpses and treasure that lie buried in its depths of the exhalations from the grave and the perennial incense from all the churches of rome the scirocco cheats the soul with delusive fancies and fills the heart with a gloom and oppression it inspires the imagination with dreams of splendid achievement and stretches the limbs on a couch in languor and exhaustion it penetrates even the cool seclusion of the cloister and breathes on the pale cheek of the young nun who is struggling for devout aspiration reminding her of long-forgotten dreams all that is melancholy all that is cruel and wicked in rome much too that is beautiful is engendered by the scirocco it is creative of glorious conceptions and of hideous deeds one feels inclined to fancy that on the day when caesar fell under the dag of brutus scirocco and tramontan fought their last fight for the mastery of rome and scirocco won the day a dense grey cloud hung over the city and veiled the sinking moon a cascade that tumbled from basin to basin down the terraced slope of the quirinal plashed weirdly in the deep twilight of the earliest dawn which was just beginning shyly to vie with the dying moon light and shade had ceased to exist the whole scene presented the dim smudged effect of a rubbed charcoal drawing the general sent a peering glance through the laurel-hedged alleys that led down the hill above the clipped evergreens rose huge ilexes wreathed to the very top with ivy and climbing roses here and there something white gleamed dimly in the grey he rushed to meet it it was a statue or a white-blossomed shrub roses and magnolias opened their blossoms to the solitude and the scent of orange flowers filled the heavy air stronger than all the other perfumes of the morning now and then like a faint sigh a shiver ran through the leaves the fall of a dying flower the old man held his breath to listen he called zinka sempali no answer suddenly he heard low voices in a path known as the alley of the sarcophagus and thither he bent his steps the sullen light fell through a gap in the leafy wall on sempali and zinka seated on a bench hand in hand and talking familiarly forgetful of all the world besides zinka was the first to see him she was not in the least disconcerted oh uncle klinger she exclaimed mamma is waiting for me i dare say but do not scold me i entreat you thank god for those happy innocent eyes that looked so frankly into his on purity like hers scirocco could have no power no he could not be angry with her 
but he sempali cried the old man indignantly what possesses you i have at length made up my mind to be happy said sempali with feeling and he raised zinka's hand to his lips that is all and i ought not to have forgiven him so easily ought i murmured zinka quailing at the general's stern frown and her head drooped zinka has been missed you know how spiteful people are exclaimed von klinger angrily ignoring the sentimentality of the situation sempali interrupted him with vehement irritation what i should like to do he said half to himself is to go straight back to the ballroom and tell my most intimate friends at once of our engagement but even as he spoke he reconsidered the matter but i cannot he went on unfortunately i cannot i must even entreat you zinka to keep it a secret even from your own household come at once with me said the general dryly my carriage is waiting in the piazza if i am not mistaken there is a little gate here which leads on to it yes here it is i will tell your mother so that others shall hear it that you felt ill and left before the cantillon began and that lady julia took you home when zinka was safely on her way to the palazetto in charge of the general's trusty old coachman the two men looked each other in the face outrageous growled the general furiously sempali turned upon him quickly think what you will of me he said but do not let the shadow of a suspicion rest on zinka you know that if you hold up a cross to the devil himself his power is quelled without answering a word the general hurried past sempali and straight into the ballroom but he found time to lock behind him the alcove door leading into the garden in the ballroom he was met by the baroness who anxiously asked him where's zinka have you seen zinka zinka felt shaken and upset by her fall she went away a long time since with lady julia who took her home he spoke very distinctly and in french so that several persons who were standing near might hear him she might have let me know exclaimed the baroness peevishly we looked for you but could nowhere find you said the general never in his life before had he told a lie at some unearthly hour the next morning he called on lady julia to confide to her the whole mystery of the night's adventure that she might not contradict his story as he had actually put zinka into her carriage there seemed to be no other danger though she disliked the falsehood as much as he did she was quite ready to confirm the fiction at the same time she could not help saying again and again poor little thing i hope it may all come right End of part three, chapter two.